Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Meg, and my co-host, the president of the Hamburglar fan club, Connie, is going to take us through episode 13. She is going to tell us all about cannibal Joe Matheny, which I am looking forward to because he's nasty. Listeners, if you don't ever listen to anything I say, listen to this one thing. If you're eating, put your food down and step away. Oh, God. Please. If if you don't, I mean, it's fine, but just don't say we didn't warn you. This is the story of Joseph Roy Matheny, a.k.a. Joe the Cannibal, a.k.a. Tiny, which, Meg, you've seen him, which makes that even funnier that that's his nickname. You know, I've seen, like, recent pictures of him, too, and he is still not tiny, like, in any way. I must, like, I'm you know, sarcastic thing, I guess. Joe was born on March 2nd, 1955. His early life details, they really depend on who you ask. If you ask him, his dad was an alcoholic. His mom neglected her six kids. He says that his mom was never home. They were always hungry and they bounced around in foster homes because she couldn't feed them before he ultimately told people that his mom was dead. Fortunately, we have his mom, Jean's side, and probably the most factual side of the story. According to Jean Matheny, she was very much alive and present during the upbringing of her six kids. Joe's father did die when he was six in a car crash. And after that, she had to work three jobs to provide for her six kids. She was a waitress, a barmaid, and even drove a food truck at one point. She well, said yeah, that- Yeah, no was, wonder she, yeah, she had wasn't kid, around six kids. Like she was just, you know, trying to make sure that you were fed and had a roof over your head. And that's what she said. She said, yeah, I worked hard and often, but I provided for my kids. They were never hungry. And she goes to say that her kids were never in foster care and that in the ultimate burn, if Joe felt neglected growing up, it was by his own doing. (laughs) So (laughs) mom burn. Yeah. But Joe is described by his mom and anyone else you ask, which is, you know, we hear it so often. An above-average student, always polite, and never mean or malicious as a child. And the description of always polite and kind is a sentiment that's going to be echoed throughout his entire life, even through all of the horrible things I'm going to tell you. That's going to be the one thing that people always say, which is crazy. So that he's just a just a nice dude. A gentle giant. Just a real nice guy. When Joe was 18... He joined the army, so this is 1973, and he was shipped off to Germany. Again, there are discrepancies about his time in the army. According to him, he was shipped off right to Vietnam, where he became addicted to heroin while he served in an artillery union. Which, that's believable, because according to an article by the, in the New York Times, it's estimated that 10 to 15% of lower enlisted service members were using heroin in Vietnam. However, oh, really? I, so yeah. However, by the time he enlisted, America's main involvement had ended in Vietnam. His mother said that she was unsure of his actual duties, because as soon as he left for the military, he 
essentially left all contact with his family behind. He was shipped off to Germany. And that was from what his, like his mom said. She's quoted as saying, he just kept drifting further and further away. I think the worst thing that ever happened to him was drugs. It's a sad, sad story. Which drugs, again, is going to be another sentiment that we hear echoed through this entire story. He was only in the army for about two to three years. And that, again, up until his arrest later in life, his early life is pretty much, there's not a lot about it. Like the records aren't there. It's just... Unfortunately, we don't have any ticking time bomb that's like, oh, yeah, this is the reason he's the way he is. So we're going to fast forward to 1987. Joe was a forklift truck driver with a serious drug problem. He spent his time doing crack cocaine, heroin and drinking Southern Comfort. Jeez Louise. Yeah, he made $7 an hour and pretty much all of his money was spent on drugs. A lot of the way in Maryland. Okay, just in a crack house. (laughs) Well, he he bounced in and out of homeless camps. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he didn't really have like a steady place to live until he met a girlfriend. However, she was as equally troubled as he was. And they were pretty much just both bad news for each other. Neither one of them really had their lives together. They were both heavy drug users making poor decisions. But a story we hear far too often, they thought the best thing to do would be to bring a son into the world. (laughs) You know what will make our life better? We don't have our shit together, but let's have a baby. Maybe that'll make us get our shit together. Spoiler alert, it won't. No, but I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, he wasn't homeless anymore. They had a house. And so his life was going as good as it could be for as heavy of an addict as he was. And the one thing that's, again, echoed like that he loved his son. 1994, his son was six. And if there's ever a perfect storm that kind of just makes an already unhinged person person just pushes him off the edge. It was in 1994. Joe comes home after a long shift at work, walks into his house, turns on the light and discovers everything in his house is gone. His girlfriend, yeah, his girlfriend packed up everything, took his son and left. And yeah, according to him, all he cared about was his son and he didn't care that he left, but his rage was directed at her because she took his son with him. And he stated her leaving was not my problem, but she took my six-year-old son with her. She was a crack addict and a worthless piece of shit. I would have paid her to get out of my life. All she had to do was take my son over to my mother's house and she could have had everything else and be gone. So he spent months looking for his girlfriend, drifting in and out of homeless camps. And after about six months, after she took his son, Joe got word that his ex had moved to the other side of Baltimore with another man who she was doing drugs with. And this man also had her selling herself to pay for the drugs that they were doing. Yeah, and they had the son. Well, at this point, they had gotten arrested for selling drugs and his son was in foster care. What? And he said he was not able to go to social services to get his son because back in 1989, he had prior convictions for theft, like felony convictions, and he didn't think he'd be able to get his son. But he didn't know because he didn't actually go check. No. Nope. He just assumed. Okay. So what's the most dangerous type of man? The one who feels like he has nothing else to lose. He found out that his ex and her new man frequented this bridge, well, frequented under the bridge, to hang out and do drugs. And he went there looking to murder the two of them. He's <laughs> like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill him. Yep. 
However, when he got there, he didn't find them. He found two other homeless men by the names of Randall Brewer and Randy Piker, who were literally just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He questioned them about where his ex and her new man were, but they didn't know anything. So again, before I go any further, I've been leaving out a very important detail about Joe Matheny. Remember previously how I said that his nickname was Tiny? Well, like we said, it's an ironic play on words because he was 6'1 and a staggering 450 pounds. Him's a big boy. Big boy. And as usual, we'll post pictures, but of course, when a man of this size comes at you, you're going to be intimidated. I would be yeah, intimidated. You should run. Yeah. Because he can't chase you. <laughs> <laughs> he can't. Facts. He's not going to be able to. Science. Inertia. Anyways, we won't get into that. You know, that's not what you guys came here for. So he took out the rage that he was feeling on his ex on these two men and butchered them with an axe. Oh, he brought an axe to murder his, his <laughs> son. Like, what's your weapon of choice? I guess there was one there. There was one in this homeless camp. So, And according to his confession, they were passed out on some old stinking mattress. And that's where they were when I left, except they were dead from being chopped up. Holy shit. Holy crap. I'll be able to not, I I don't want to say it's like the good thing about this case, but like far too many times we don't have any direct quotes. We don't have any This man loved to talk about what he did. So I'm going to be able to echo exactly what he says throughout this whole case because he wrote out many times exactly what happened. Why do you think he loved it? Just because he was getting attention? Yeah, I think he loved the attention of it. They always do, don't they? Yeah, the notoriety can just drive. And we love a serial killer who's going to give us into the mind. Because otherwise, a lot of times we would have no idea what's going on with these people. But there's a lot of them. Ed Gein was one of them. He just loved to talk. He's like, oh, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you that. Anyways, I digress. (laughs) So you would think two brutal murders, not just like I strangled you, two brutal murders. And one night would make a person like... That would satisfy his need for revenge, then make him less vengeful. Nope, not tiny. He found a sex worker who he thought would have information about his ex, so he lured her down to the same bridge. When she didn't have any information for him, he beat her, raped her, and murdered her. Jeez Louise. So it just kind of like, instead of, you know, chilling him out. Yeah, he goes on to say how after the first two, he realized that he just really liked to do this. So the third murder wasn't enough. And he still wasn't convinced that he wasn't going to be able to find his ex. He figured someone knew where she was. He lured another sex worker to the same bridge and repeated the process. Beat her, raped her, murdered her. And as he's doing this, he just happens to look over and he sees a fisherman who he thought, hmm, maybe he just saw what I did. So Uh he beat him with a lead pipe just to, quote, tie up any loose ends. He took those three bodies, waved them down with rocks, and threw them into the river. And to this day, those bodies have never been found. The only reason we know about their murders is because he told us. Well, not me personally. He told in his confessions. So did they ever like identify who those people were then? No, and that's why I don't have their names. Because oh, the okay. only account we have is from him. Like nobody was like, my fisherman husband has been missing. No, there's no reports of that. Hmm. Interesting. So you may be wondering, why did he throw these three bodies in, but he just left the other two on the mattress? Apparently, at the time of these murders, there was a pretty gnarly war going on between homeless camps. Like a turf. Yeah, like a turf war. And I shouldn't laugh, but like when you say it out loud, it sounds, you know, it's just, yeah. So he assumed if he just left the bodies of Randall Brewer and Randy Piker, Randall and Randy, it would just be blamed on the turf war. And I mean, ultimately he was correct. He 
pretty quickly afterwards, he was arrested for their murders and he spent 18 months in jail because brutal crime, no bond. So he just sat there, but it was a quick trial and he was acquitted for the murders because there, there was a lack of evidence. And like I said, the turf war, there was on that same day, there were a couple of other homeless men who were murdered at the hands of a rival homeless camp. And that man was arrested. They just assumed that it was all connected. What are they fighting over? Just like what bridge? (laughs) I have no idea. Literally in every article I read, it said turf war. Okay. And I was like, explain to me what a turf war is between a homeless camp. I mean, I'll probably Google it, but if you know, like, yeah, please let us know what these men were know. fighting over. So I don't know if like, maybe it had more shelter, like maybe one area had more shelter in this, you know, they're like, I want that area. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Go on. So he wouldn't admit to these crimes for a few years. And by that point, he was unable to be tried for them because he was tried and acquitted. So double jeopardy can't be tried for the same crime twice. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. If you are tried and ultimately found not guilty, acquitted, or, you know, found guilty, then you can't be tried for the same exact crime twice. There's actually a really good movie about it with Ashley Judd. Oh, okay. I recommend it. It's from like the 90s, I think. (laughs) So at this point, Joe spent 18 months in jail. You would think hey, I'm going to get out, look for a fresh start, turn over a new leaf. And because he said like the first two crimes were a crime of passion. And after that, he was like, I like this. I want to do it again. So he spent his whole time in jail thinking about how as soon as he got out, he was going to do it again. Ew. So he could, yeah, he convinces his old boss to give him his job back at the pallet factory as the forklift driver. Because remember, he was acquitted. So everyone thinks, you know, wrong place, wrong time type thing. And he was always just described as a kind, intelligent, well-mannered man. So he convinces his boss to come back to the factory. And also, apparently, like at the back of the factory property lot, there was an abandoned, like there was an old trailer. And so he was like, hey, let me live in this trailer and I'm going to keep an eye on things. And this man is thinking, you know what? You're 450 pounds. You absolutely could keep an eye on things around here. (laughs) Yeah. But all Matheny was thinking about was this is the end of a dead end road. This is perfect for exactly what I need to do. So I'm going to give everyone a chance to put their food down again. Because the next, this trigger warning I'm going to give you, I don't even have a word for other than it's just gruesome, nasty cannibalism that's unlike anything we've ever reported before. So with that, I'm going to continue. It's now the fall of 1995. Joe meets Kathy Magaziner. She's a 39-year-old sex worker. And again, I say that not to like, that was his type. That was his victimology. They were always addict sex workers with the exception of the fisherman who was just that was yeah wrong place wrong time but when it came to his actual his victims that he meant to kill that was that was what that's who he targeted he lured her back to his trailer raped her beat her and strangled her with an extension cord Uh. Mm -hmm. he then butchered her body removing the meat from it and putting it in tupperware before burying her in a shallow grave right outside of the property. Immediately, he repeats his MO with 23-year-old Kimberly Spicer, whom he met at a bar. And it was the bar that he frequented was the bar where Kimberly's older sister worked. And again, she described him as a kind, 
polite man. Kimberly knew him from the bar, so he wasn't a stranger to her. But she was quoted as to like telling her sister how she felt sorry for him. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. That's the type of women he preyed on. Like he he came off as like nice and polite, but it was just, it was all a ruse. He wasn't nice and polite. He was Obviously. trying to murder people and rape yep. them. Ugh. She was described as her parents as having problems, but she was a battler. She was always struggling with her problems, but she was always hoping to turn a corner. And heartbreaking enough, in her the last video of her, she was sitting in the hospital at her stepfather's open heart surgery, like in the room from the rec- like the recovery room. Mm-hmm. And in that video, her sister is recording her, and she can be seen like gazing out the window. And her sister's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Just looking out at the harbor, wishing I was on that boat." She had no idea she had hours left to live. Oh man! So it's awful. Once again, he lured her back to his trailer where he raped her, beat her, and stabbed her. He then butchered her body, once again, putting the meat in Tupperware containers. And then after he dismembered her body, he put parts of it under pallets in the factory. To which no one no one had any idea. Because he was a forklift. Did he like note the pallets? Like, this is the one yeah. with the body parts under yeah. it. Ew. And then... A few weeks later, Matheny dug the remains of Catherine up and decapitated her where it's reported that he had sex with her skull. Oh, what gnarly. I only knew, like, I know the part is coming, but I only, I did not know as much as I thought I knew about this guy. So he realizes, because I should add he did cannibalize his victims as he was doing this. But he's starting to realize, I can't keep these remains in my freezer. So what am I going to do with them? So on the weekends, again, guys, I'm going get- <laughs> to... It hasn't been bad enough, I am telling you. Put your food down right now. Put it down. Because Joe Matheny opened a roadside burger stand. There where it is. He, where he mixed their remains with hamburger and pork and fed it to his customers. <sighs> yeah. And he said that no one suspected a thing because human flesh tastes like pork. Could which literally have gone my entire life without knowing. And side note, as disgusting as that sounds, that's a sentiment that almost every other cannibal has ever said. Ugh. So. It's gross. Yeah. And he kept doing this. And then... For how long? So honestly, he was not out of jail for very long. So he was only doing this for a couple of months, which I say is like a long time, but like in the words of feeding people to people, (laughs) that's a long time. Feeding unsuspecting customers people meat. Yes. On December 8th, 1996, Joe kidnapped and attempted to rape his friend, Rita Kemper, because Joe goes to say, I realized again, sorry, guys, I was running out of my special meat and I needed to replenish. Ew. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. So him and Rita had met through their mutual drug use, frequent sharing of cocaine. Again, same. She was a sex worker victimology is the same to a T. Except he knows her. Like, knows her, knows her. Knows her, knows her. They're friends. And she said as she was struggling, he was laughing at her. Which, there's not much of a struggle when you are a normal-sized human being, and this man is 450 pounds. Forcing themselves upon you. Yes. He told her, as he was laughing at her, I'm going to kill you and bury you with the other girls in the woods. What? You just released your holy mo, bro? Yeah. And she's like, nope. 
nope, this is not what's happening to me. Not he looked that. away for a split second and she bolted. Good for and like, her. She like ran. I said, he can't touch she, her. That's exactly what I was about to say. And I don't know if you know much about a man who's 450 pounds, but he wasn't going to catch her. Like, there's no way. She literally scaled an eight foot fence to escape from him. She immediately went and reported it to the police. And now again, I don't know. There's a gap in time and I've read probably no exaggeration. 30 articles on this case. I do not know why there was the gap in time from the 8th of December when he kidnapped or, you know, he had Rita Kemper versus the December 15th, what I'm getting ready to talk about. So I don't know why he wasn't immediately arrested or if he was, it's never actually said that he was immediately arrested. But at this point, he's like, shit, I have parts of this girl's body, you know, Kim Spicer, in the factory still. So he asked a friend to help him bury her. That's why, so him asking the friend, that's why I was like, okay, maybe he was in jail at this time. But again, I don't want to like say the wrong thing because I'm honestly not sure. And I looked everywhere for the information about it. Okay. So he asked his friend and his friend was like, uh, no. (laughs) And his friend reported to the police that, because on December 15th, that he had asked to help bury this body. So- that day, he was arrested and charged with the murder of Kimberly Spicer. And they were bracing for a difficult arrest because, again, brutality reported from both Kemper and his friend saying, you know, like they have this just this dismembered body. Yeah. But as soon as yeah, they, they as, yeah, they, and he's 450 pounds. So they just assumed it was going to be like awful. But he, they arrested him without incident. And the first thing he said is, I am a very sick person. He's just a real nice guy. Yeah. Again. (laughs) And I think at a certain point, like, we'll say this for other cases too. I think he was one of those that wanted to be caught. Otherwise, he's 450 pounds. Like, why would he not put up a fight? You know? Well, also, like, there's a. He let someone get away. Like he probably mm-hmm. knew it was coming. Like he's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you mentally prepare for that. You're like, all right. So he's like, there they are, ready to go. Let's do this. Like probably so, after she escaped, I would imagine he had in his head that moment of, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm caught. Yeah, I'm busted. Yeah. So three days later, he led them to the grave of Kathy Magaziner, and although she had to be identified by dental records because a lot Ugh. of her skull was missing, yeah. So they think that they have this man. So he attempted to rape and kidnap his friend, Rita Kemper. They have him on the murder of Kimberly Spicer because they have her body. He led them to the body of Kathy. And they're like, okay. But he sings like a canary to everything else that he's done. He goes on to say about the two sex workers and the fishermen that he murdered. The two homeless men that he was previously charged with murdering. And then as well, back in 1994, so literally as soon as he killed the people under the bridge, he murdered Tony and Gracia. She was beat and murdered in 1994 and her body was found on the side of the highway. They never knew who did it, but he admitted to that as well. What? He did he also find his ex-girlfriend? No, he did not. Good, I'm glad, but also like and <laughs> I don't spiraling into his rage. I guess it probably would have got him caught also. Yeah, and what's crazy is I once like I looked everywhere, I could not find information like the specifics on his girlfriend or their son. So I don't know if people like went out of their way to protect that information, but I never found anything about her. Like after that, he also confessed to three other sex workers, like the murders of them, and he said he also, they were part of the people that he was feeding to his customers. Ew. Mm-hmm. Although no bodies were ever found of them either. 
And his attorney well, I said, wonder why, because he was feeding yeah. them to people. Exactly. And his attorneys, because they had no evidence to link him, link him to these crimes. And, you know, he had said his mother was dead, which, you know, she wasn't. So they, he was a liar. But his attorney said that for these cases, she believed him. And like with this kind of stuff, he was always strikingly honest and forthcoming. So I think he made his like the narrative with his mom, he put it to try to give himself a reason, but you know, to try to make him like his life was harder than what it was. Yeah, like he didn't choose yeah. a little bit of that, that on his own. So he was sentenced, Joe was sentenced to 50 years for the kidnapping and rape of Rita Kemper, sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for the murder of Kim Spicer. And this is what is this next it's insane not that the case itself is insane but the maryland laws regarding the death penalty because i would think if any case has deserved the death penalty it's the man feeding his victims to unknowing customers <laughs> unwittingly yeah that's yeah oh my gosh can you imagine but, being one of those people that stopped was like i'm really hungry oh i like a little roadside stand a little you know flare from wherever hey. i'm at the closest thing I've ever seen to like a vis- visualization of this is, I know it sounds su- super nerdy, Criminal Minds did an episode where their suspect was feeding his victims. He fed them in the chili to he, that he fed to a, uh, a city. So that looked very like their reactions, I would assume, would be on par with what I would experience. So it's, ugh, I can't even think about it. It makes me want to be vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I said, in Maryland, the Maryland law only allows the, for the death penalty to be imposed in cases where certain aggravating factors exist. For example, killing someone while also committing or attempting to commit carjacking, robbery, arson, rape, or any other first degree sexual offense. Well, so, so he you did that though, right? What? He did that though. They had no evidence that he raped them, only what he told them. Other than and so that doesn't count? Nope. Oh, you have to be gosh. You can uh, say all you want. That's why a lot of uh serial killers and murder they'll admit to it because if it goes if they plead not guilty and it goes to trial, you have you have to convince the jury without reasonable doubt. And if he's admitting to the police, but he gets to trial and he's like, oh, wait, no, they have to prove it with evidence and they didn't have any evidence of it. So in the case of Kathy Magaziner, her purse and her clothing were found buried as well. So the prosecution used that as saying, hey, this was robbery as well. Oh, okay. They sought the death penalty and they, he was sentenced to death because the robbery, the murder while committing robbery was made it a Capital offense. However, in 2000, you know, you get all these appeals. The death penalty was overturned because they did not have enough sufficient evidence that the robbery was his motive. And so he was given, it was overturned and he was given life without the possibility of parole. The judge on the case. <laughs> yeah, course. I know. I was waiting for this. <laughs> ah, yeah. Go on. I was waiting for this. eye. The judge on the case, his name was Dale Cathal. He wrote, quote, in my view, the real reason the death penalty was sought in this case is that Mr. Matheny was a heinous serial murderer, which hello, duh, obviously. But according to the Maryland law and, you know, opinions do not negate the law. So that was not enough reason to seek the death penalty in the state of Maryland. Other states. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But but him burying her clothes and purse was him disposing evidence and not the robbery, which, you know, I obviously I don't think he was robbing her. That doesn't fit anything else that he's done. 
No, he was just getting rid of his evidence. But it's yeah. smart of them to say, yeah, he's yeah. robbed her. And this was I her give step. it an A for effort. Oof, yuck. When yeah. Joe was asked why he killed Kathy, he said, I got a very, got a rush out of it. Got a high out of it. Call it what you want. I had no real excuse why other than I like to do it. And after he pleaded guilty to murdering Spicer and Magaziner, he told the courts, the words, I'm sorry, will never come out of my mouth. For that would be a lie. I am more than willing to give up my life for what I've done to have God judge me and send me to hell for eternity. Ugh, what a drama queen. Yeah, so ultimately, like, he wanted to be put to death. And so it's like kind of a sweet revenge that he had to live out his life. Knowing he did all that. During his interrogation, he said, the only thing I feel bad about in any of this is I didn't get to murder the two motherfuckers I was really after. And that's my oh, ex-old okay. lady and the old bastard she got hooked up with. Yep. Okay. So I was wondering about that. I was like, does yeah. he just like forget about them? He's like, you know what? Nope. Them. I'm going to have serial that rage. Now. And after a long and shitty life on August 5th, 2017, the age of 62, Joe Matheny was found dead in his cell. The cause of his death was never released but I'm assuming it had something to do with his morbidly obese body stature. But Although, he wasn't in 2017. Like if you look you know, at- He lost a lot of weight, but yeah. you could, you know, that kind of lifestyle definitely takes a toll on you. And I don't know. I looked, I looked for his like death certificate. They never formally released why he died. So I don't know if he killed himself or I don't know. He, it never, it's kind of sus. How they never said it. But to all of our fantastic listeners, I'm going to end with this quote from him. Well, that's my story. Horrible, but true. So the next time you're riding down the road and you happen to see an open pit beef stand that you've never seen before, make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich. Sometimes, yeah, you, never know who, <laughs> sometimes you never know who you may be eating. Ha ha. And that's the tale of Joe the cannibal Matheny. Ugh, tiny, you nasty. Yeah. Ugh. I think this, there's this one picture of him and we talked about it before we started recording, but it's like every time I see the picture, it grosses me out. Just like thinking about the, the barbecue stand and like him and killing people. And he, there's a, I don't know if he had some like surgery or what, but there's another picture of him where he's laying with this fat gut all out and he's got this huge scar down the center of his stomach. So I didn't want to say because of his horrible diet, because I thought that would be in poor taste since he was eating people. Yeah. Yeah, It's he's, and I thought I'm going to make the reference now, but you see the picture that we're going to post on this case because he has meth mouth and I'm like, Joe, meth mouth, Matheny, but you can't. could have been an extra on Tiger King. Yeah, you couldn't. <laughs> he could have. He could have. He could have been the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Can't spell Matheny without meth. <laughs> That was funny. He's terrified. This is a this is a terrifying. I uh, I feel awful for his victims, but Jesus! Like when I was reading and researching this, it was like this has to be a joke. Like there's, it's the things you read about, like an ultimate, like oh, I was feeding my victims to people, but he was like it's he was. Ugh, man. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's like one of those stories where you're like, what do I say? What am I supposed to say? Think about it when you have biscuits and gravy. 
And you know, no, don't tell. I love biscuits and gravy. Don't ruin well, that for me. Pork. Okay, I'm done. I can't do it. Okay, I'm gonna give a hypothetical. If I get canceled because of asking this question, I'm so sorry, Meg. But hypothetically, now that we know what he is saying, human flesh tastes like. Does that change your view? Like, if you're stranded or your plane crashes on a deserted deserted island, or no, I told you, I don't think I could do it. I'm confident that I could not eat eat a people. Like I'm eat not- a people. I cannot eat a people. I cannot. I don't think I ever would be able to, regardless of the circumstance. I think even if it was a means of survival. I feel like I could find something else to eat. I would eat grass or something. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But my answer remains, no, I would not under any circumstances. Yeah, I know. I'm weird. I'm I'm a texture eater. Like textures freak me out. And that's what I, I... I don't think I could do the texture. Oof. Well, we will never know, hopefully. I hope I never have to have that. Oh my gosh, we can never go on a road trip and like stop and get no, this, I no. I'm thinking of this one road that I take sometimes, and there is like in like this gas station parking lot a a like barbecue stand, and every time I see it, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if those are good. And now that I will never find out because I can't, I can't stop. So I don't eat at places like that, and this is. We talk about like how weird I am, but I don't eat at places like that because I don't know how clean the people are. My brain and the way my anxiety works, if I can't see you and like see that you have to be held to like certain cleanliness standards and you're just like posted up on the side of the road, I don't know if you washed your hands. You don't even have a bathroom in that place. I don't know. What's going on? I can't do it. I can't do it. That's why I can't eat at fairs. That's why I can't eat at fairs. I don't eat I at fairs. Eat at fairs. <laughs> I only eat at potlucks when I know who's cooking, but it doesn't matter if you're family or not. If I And I also always think about people having like cats on their counter. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of potlucks. Like you got a thing about cats. I do. I hate them. Sorry, St. Karen. I know you have a couple, but I hate them. I think about cats on the counter and your kitchen being dirty and the fact that you maybe went to the bathroom and wash your hands after you wiped yourself can't do it for the record connie's opinion on cats does not is not all of our opinions <laughs> i'm I, so sorry i'm a I, cat fan <laughs> my son loves them so much and honestly i watched pet cemetery at way too young of an age and i just can't i'm still not over that trauma <laughs> I'm still traumatized from Pet Cemetery. I just, I feel like they have, they think like dogs are just like, oh, little puppy. But cats can look at you and be like, I'm going to destroy your life. And then they could. <laughs> and then they could destroy your life. That's I why I like them. <laughs> I know. I, I have respect for cats, but they, I just feel like they're going to come back from the dead and kill me. <laughs> and that's not the, so I used to have a cat. This is what's crazy. Okay. Story time for a second, guys. I used to have a cat when I was like a little kid. And this is not, and this is a story my mom, you can ask my mom and she'll tell you that we had a cat that happened to be put outside and it died. The cat died. Everyone saw that it was dead. No, no awe because I don't, I'm like a, like four or five at this time. So I don't like distinctly remember this, but my mom said the cat had died outside. A couple days later, open the door. Cat comes running back inside. Oh no. <laughs> I have some deep too. <laughs> some deep rooted trauma here, guys. I'm sorry. I love all you cat people, but I just 
I can't. Oh, man. If I ever come to your house for a party, if I only eat the stuff that's prepackaged, just mind your business. <laughs> if she just Don't. comes in with her own little happy meal. <laughs> mind your, it's, I always say, oh, sorry, I just ate. <laughs> I'm going to think about that forever. Anytime I'm like, hey, you want something to eat? If you no, ever I know. That, like, you I think know I'm you. I know you. I know you. I know you're clean. I have seen your house. If I don't personally know who made it, and if I haven't been to their house, I will not eat. I do not eat at potlucks at work. I only eat off the people that I know who they are. <laughs> it's my business. I'm weird and I get it. But yeah, that's it for this case. I'm sorry we traumatized you. This was a gross one. It was gross, but thank you for telling me it. <laughs> yeah. We'll have pictures up. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. We've been really getting in with the teens these days with our TikToks <laughs> and our reels, you know. We're trying. Just giving, just giving the youngins what they like. <laughs> I can't. One, I made, so we made a reel this past week and I showed it to my husband and he got like halfway through and he's like, this is cringy. <laughs> That's what I showed it to Jordan too. I was like, look, Connie made a reel. And he's like, what's this what's i'm what am i supposed to be watching and i'm like it's like the it's a reel it's like a trend that's happening and you make the video he just stopped watching it like halfway through he's like oh okay cool that's what zach did he was like oh i thought you were like doing something i didn't realize you were like mouthing what someone else said i was like it's cool look (laughs) it's cool like a thousand views on our first day at first i was like oh here it goes i'm going viral and then it was like (laughs) <laughs> oh, here it goes. I'm going viral. <laughs> if, it, if it, I mean, it probably won't make you feel better or anything, but the video of me cleaning my cast iron skillet got like a thousand views. <laughs> that doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's uh, it. Anyways, I'm, a button, I'm doing a TikTok dance. Oh, <laughs> uh, good luck. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> just kidding i would look like a can of busted biscuits it's not happening come back in 2022 after i finally stopped putting off getting in shape <laughs> that's gonna be our trend like every couple couple episodes we're just like we're gonna we're getting ripped right now and we never actually get ripped i just told meg i have to go get a water i'm a little hot and i came back i was like i grabbed a beer instead <laughs> <laughs> oh that's hilarious That's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie, and Meg. We appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade, or if you have follow-up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, gruesomepodcast.com, and email us. We love hearing from you guys. You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast fill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. Check your back seat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, we're We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.